Good morning. Wow. God is so evident in this room right now. Isn't he good? Wow. So, um, Pastor Cameron, who is the pastor at this church, is uh, on a camping trip right now. And uh, so are a number of the men from this church. They're all gone. I would say that we have a um, smaller ratio of testosterone, but that's fine. (laughs) God is great. It's awesome. Um, And my name is Sarah Gerber, and I have the the honor of serving New Day as pastoral assistant here. And um, my husband and I lead the young adult community here, and we um, have a building in the Vine neighborhood, and I want to give you some updates, because a lot of you have supported uh, the Iglesia, that's the building, over the years, and have really poured in a lot of donations of money, time, and volunteers, and we have seen God transform this old historic building into something really fresh, and um, it's very creative and beautiful inside, and uh, we're in the process of getting up to code with the city of Kalamazoo so that we can um, invite the community in and, and use it for a lot more than just our own group. And so can you put up some of those pictures, Rachel? Um, we have um, had to do this one. <clears throat> can you do the picture of the paint? We had to do um, this one thing. It's kind of a big deal. We have a, a beautiful tin ceiling, the, the gallon of paint, the... The fire, it says fire free on it. Yeah. Um, thanks. <laughs> um, we had to paint the ceiling with a special fire retardant paint for like fire separation between the upstairs and the downstairs just for code. And in order to do that, we had to put, we have to put four coats. And the paint itself is this new technology. It's really expensive. It's like the first time it's been approved in the city of Kalamazoo for a ceiling. So we've had a lot of favor with the city, but, um, it cost a lot of money, and we were raising money for a long time trying to get this paint. And, you know, one day God just said, just order it. And we were like, okay. So we did. It was a bit risky, but we did. And most of the money came in right before we needed to actually pay it. And so we have the paint. We have 11 five-gallon buckets of that stuff. And um, now the, the goal is to raise enough money to hire someone to put those four coats on this massive tin ceiling. And so that's kind of the next project. We're still raising funds for that. Um, but we're just so thankful because this is like it. Once the ceiling's done and we have like some plumbing done, we're done. And this has been a years of, you know, process of time. So we're so excited. It's just around the corner. And... Um, we're, we're really excited because we use the building to reach out to the community. And recently we had a, a neighborhood grill out, and um, it was amazing. We had people from all over the streets around us coming and just getting free food. And you can put up that slide now. Um, we had, you know, free food, and we just were relating with the community. And, you know, they've gotten to know us a bit over the years because we keep doing things, you know. Tanya uh, Hartman, she did um, organized an outreach where we handed out Valentines. It was like um, big cookies with like a, a, just the scripture about First Corinthians, but it was kind of in plain language. Just and it, just at the bottom, it said, "You are loved." And um, we just passed out these Valentines, and uh, people were like, "Are you the one who passed out the Valentines at, in February?" You know, and are you guys the one who clean up the streets? You know, the litter. And so they're they're getting to know us. We're building relationship, and we're seeing an impact. It's really awesome. People who came to this girl have been coming to dwell, which is on Sunday nights there, our young adult community. It's awesome. And um, we also had some interesting times in the neighborhood because it is a student ghetto. 
and um, we had some graffiti. <laughs> Actually, it's like kind of vandalism. This guy just came. I don't know if it was a guy or not. I just keep saying it's a guy. I don't know why. I can't imagine a girl doing it, but, you know, who knows? But somebody took like a quart of paint and just kind of threw it on our building. So you can see that first slide is that. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we looked at it, and while we at first we were like, oh, my word, somebody did this to us, you know? <laughs> we were like... That's beautiful. It looks amazing. <laughs> wow, let's do something with that. And Chloe Yaros, who's an amazing painter, just whipped out something in like one morning. So you can show the last. It's like finally done. It's just there. And it has some words in it. You can see it. So one says, be healed and stuff. So anyway, it's actually <laughs> what was something someone intended for bad for us. It's like, well, now we have a really cool front door. And I don't think we would have done that, you know, had somebody not vandalized our building. So... Anyway, it's been really fun, and I just want to thank you guys for your support because it's really making an impact, and we also just are, you know, building this young adult group. It's awesome, and uh, we have awesome, amazing leaders, and I just want to highlight them. Tanya Hartman, Erin Mueller, who are both sitting in the front row right now. Um, we have Nicole and Anthony Davis, Chloe, who I just mentioned, Chris Flaw, Sean Clinton, and... Um, and Seth and I, and then also we have Katie Duke, who's right here. She watches the kids on Sunday nights for young people who have children. And also Leonard, her husband, helps out with sound, you know, and he's been a real blessing. And so, you know, we've just been able, Seth and I have been able to take some time off and rest because we've been doing it for a long time. We needed a break. And our leaders have just stepped up and really, you know, run things without us there. It's been amazing. So good things happening, guys, at the Iglesia. So um, this morning, I'm going to be talking about hunger. And uh, I just find that kind of funny because we just started a 40-day fast. Some people are fasting uh, for the election here at New Day and um, just for the nation in general. And <laughs> it's just interesting. I don't, it's just a funny coincidence. Um, but hunger is mentioned quite often in the Bible and, you know, people who don't know about the words of the Bible or Christianity might think, obviously, you're talking about physical hunger, but um, it's in the Bible, quite often it talks about just a spiritual desire for God. And um, other terms, you know, that you might think of might be like drive towards God or motivation towards God. But um, if you were really hungry, <laughs> if you, you know, hadn't eaten in a few days or were fasting perhaps, <laughs> you would have like a real desperate need for food. Or in this case, you would have a real desperate need for God. And um, I think it just varies. Like if you just kind of had lunch, but you're just ready for dinner, you know, you might be motivated to eat. But if you had, you know, nothing, you would be desperate, you know, for food. And um, an example of this is just in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 6, where Jesus says, um, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And <clears throat> when it talks about for righteousness, you know, that is for God. It's a drive towards God. It's a hunger for God. And... um. The thing about God is that he's so good. He wants to fill us. He wants to give us what we're hungry for. We were created to be hungry. And so I'm going to kind of throw at you three things that relate with hunger. Are you ready? Three things. The first one is being poor in spirit. How many of you have heard in the Bible about being poor in spirit and thought, what is, what is that? I, I, I did. Growing up, I did. I wondered. I was like, does that mean like you don't have... Stuff in your 
Spirit? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know. And um, just as I've been looking into it more and more, it's really all about <clears throat> being in a place of need, just almost the same as hungry, but it's being in a place of need, being in a place of dependency, living conscious of your continuous need for God, just conscious all the time. You're in a continuous place of need for God. So that's being poor in spirit. So in the Beatitudes again, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so that place of need, that you know, conscious kind of desire for God, gets you basically the kingdom of heaven. How cool is that? God gives us his own kingdom. So that's the first one, poor in spirit. Second one, humility. Um, there's something about humility that it's like humility is a key ingredient in being hungry. You know, being humble is like knowing who you truly are. It's not belittling who you are, and it's not puffing yourself up. It's really knowing who you really are. And, and I believe that's in God's eyes. So the truth about you, I'm a princess, I'm a daughter of the king, he's given me gifts. You know, in, in his eyes, I'm, I'm a good girl, you know, I'm his daughter, and that's my true identity. And that's true humility. It's not a false, or it's not being puffed up or boasting or, con, you know, overly confident. It's knowing who you truly are. And also I believe that humility has to do with being completely submitted to God, being willing to, you know, learn you know, pride, pride is the opposite. It's like, you know, I, I know what's going on. <laughs> I, I, got, I got it figured out. And it, pride kind of removes your ability to receive. Humility kind of really gives you the ability to receive. So um, humility and hunger are a bit related. In Deuteronomy 8.3, this is talking about the Israelites. <clears throat> so he humbled you and allowed you to hunger. He humbled you and he allowed you to hunger, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And so, you know, he, he makes us humble and, and it drives us to be hungry for him so that we will know that we only can be fed by him. So we know that we can't live without him, you know. So good. Um, and then the third one. So we just talked about being poor in spirit. We just talked about humility, the importance of both of those. And the third one is childlikeness. Um, Jesus really illustrated this with the disciples when they were kind of like, well, who is the greatest in the kingdom? Because they wanted to know where they stood. You know, they wanted to know where, where I fit in here. Am I, you know, up there? Because I'm with Jesus. <laughs> um, and he, he, they were asking, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And he said, he called the little child to him. This is in um, Matthew, did I say that already, 18? And he set the child in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. There's the kingdom of heaven term again. You have to be childlike in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself, there's humility again, as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> and, you know, children, I think you can think like, well, childlikeness feels a bit naive or, you know, innocent. And people, I think they equal being innocent as not really knowing what's really going on and therefore, you know, not wise or not level-headed or something. And, 
And I really, you know, there's that scripture in the Bible that talks about being, you know, innocent as doves and being as wise as serpents. And innocence in the Lord is a, a very pure and beautiful thing. And, and you can be very wise and cunning in the kingdom, but also be innocent of evil. And I think that's what this is relating to. <clears throat> Children are also very trusting. You know, they really trust God because they don't know any different. You know, little kids just trust their parents because that's all they know. And so they just believe whatever, you know, they're being told or they just kind of fall in line with what parents are doing and they just do it, you know, and there's no second thought. And, um, you know, one of the side note, <laughs> one of the kind of evil things of this world is when children are afraid, you know, somehow they were taught to be afraid through just the things of this world, and that just robs them immediately of their innocence, you know. And that's just what the enemy likes to do. That's not really paying attention to God because he's so good, but that's just a side note. That's just one of the annoying things of this world. So those three things, childlikeness, poor in spirit, and humility are very important to the, to, for keys of hunger. So I'm going to tell a little story. You might have heard it before. It's in Luke 14. So this is Jesus talking. This is a a parable that he he said. He said, For there was once a man who threw a great dinner party and invited many. When it was time for dinner, he sent out his servants to the invited guests, saying, Come on in. The food is on the table. Then they all began to beg off, one after another, making excuses. And the first said, I bought a piece of property, yo. And I need to look it over, so I'll send my regrets. And then another said, I just bought five teams of oxen. That's probably a lot, and maybe it's a big deal. I really need to check them out. Send my regrets. And yet another said, I just got married, and I need to go home to my wife. (laughs) And the servant went back and told the master what happened. He was outraged and told the servant, quickly, get out into the streets and alleys. Collect all who look like they need a square meal, all the misfits, the homeless, the wretched. You can lay your hands on and just bring them here. Just fill my table. So in this story, who does the man represent? God. Yeah. So God, <clears throat> this is what he does. He pours out. He sets a table. This is like he's constantly doing this in our lives. He's constantly setting a table out for the saved and the unsaved. You know, and it's it's the hungry who come. So let's look at the two people in the scripture, in this passage. So there's the people who were invited. You know, Tell them, the people, all the people who are invited, tell them, come on in. It's all time to go, ready to go. They didn't have um, email or maybe uh, Facebook invites back then. They needed to send somebody to tell them when. <clears throat> and um, so what I would imagine in this story is that the people who were invited were the ones who the man knew, you know, his friends, people, you know, around his neighbors, people he knew. And I know that in the story, Jesus is referencing Israel. But today, I'm thinking about the church. You know, people who know God, people who are his friends, people who are aware of who he is. But what's the deal? They don't want to come. Huh, that's interesting. And and what you see here is they have these reasons. You know, <laughs> I got business. I just got, I got stuff going on. And... I don't know what happened, but they're not hungry. What happened to their hunger, you know? What happened to 
you know, obviously the man knew that if he had a dinner, people would come. I mean, he didn't make it so that he could not get, that he could get dissed, basically. <laughs> and have a dinner so that nobody will show up. That wasn't the intention. They were supposed to come. But what they weren't hungry. They, you know, there's a big buffet, you know, all, all inclusive <laughs> buffet. You're hungry. You go to it. And um, they weren't hungry. And I was thinking about those activities. You could be like, well, if you get oxen, you know, that makes you not hungry. That's no good. You can't have oxen. You can't get married. No. It's not that those activities were bad. It's that there, for some reason those people had lost their hunger. It's not that the activities they were doing were wrong or bad or anything. It's just that they had lost their hunger. Why did they lose their hunger? I was thinking about this. Being a part of the church for a long time, being very familiar with what's going on, it can, it can feel after a while so familiar that you maybe lose your desire for it. The question is, how do we sit at the banqueting table and stay hungry? How do we do that? When we're being fed something every Sunday at church, when we spend time with God, how many of you have ever had time where you're journaling and you're doing the hearing the voice of God saying, and God says, I love you at the beginning every time, and you're like, I know. <laughs> you told me that yesterday and the day before. That's cool. You got anything else, God? Because I would really like something cool. You know, it can get a little, you can feel a little familiar with it. Like, I know. I've, I've done that before. And basically, one thing that is the truth, so what's wrong, is that physical food makes us full, but spiritual food makes us more hungry. And so what, what's wrong? Why do we kind of stop getting hungry? Why do we lose that hunger? Well, I kind of want to consider the idea that maybe the childlikeness and the humility and the being poor in spirit kind of are keys to hunger. And I really feel like a key to that is thankfulness. And I realized I, what had happened for me is that I was hearing the same things, I was hearing the same things, and I kind of was like, I, I get it. You know, I heard that before. And it kind of lost my desire to journal. And then I went back to it later, like months later. I had like kind of skipped out on journaling. I went back to it, and then I, God was kind of, you know, talking to me again. And I realized how much I had missed out on because I got tired of it or something, you know? And we can become like food critics, you know? We can become like food connoisseurs or something, where it's like, oh, you got healed of a headache? Awesome. Well, the other day I saw this guy's whole back get healed. You know, you kind of like lose like the, the goodness of the miracle. And to me, childlikeness is really that. Kids, you know, they... They just keep playing with the toy or they, you know, they kind of find the trees so wondrous or, you know, they're so, like, doe-eyed about the world, you know, around them and they, it's new and fresh, you know, they're excited, they're full of joy and I feel like thankfulness is the key, you know, and just, like, that pride I was talking about, it kind of keeps you from receiving and I feel like when we are listening to the Lord speak to us, you know, that's the the king of the universe is implanting something on your heart and, it's it's just good to say, yes, I'll take it. Thank you. You love me. That's amazing. I need to hear that and let it just soak into your spirit, you know. I'm talking to myself here. So so that you, you can lose your thankfulness. You can lose that kind of need because you're used to it or something. And um, 
I kind of believe that, that familiarity can be an open door to unbelief because you get kind of cynical about things. You know, you get kind of used to them. You get cynical. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. You know, I don't want to listen to that guy speak. He's, you know. It's like God is kind of in, in Christian culture and in churches. He's like laying out a table. You know, we could go to the Christian bookstore and pick out a million Bibles. In our culture, we are a very abundant culture, you know, and and we are at the banqueting table of the Lord every day. And so let's stay hungry at the table. You know, let's look at him and enjoy his goodness and his glory while we're eating. So here's a couple keys to staying hungry. And I just kind of mentioned them. But one of the keys I really believe is to give it away. Get full and give it away. Work off the meal, you know. Like give it to somebody. Show someone God's love, you know, and I really feel like when we steward the things that God gives us, he multiplies, you know, in us. It's, I've been seeing that in my own life. It's so true. So, so giving it away is a huge key. You know, how can you give away God's love with what you've been given, you know, the gifts that you've been given? How can you serve or, you know, bless people, especially people who don't know him? <coughs> Excuse me. So growing in thankfulness. You know, staying humble, being childlike. Those are four things. And one thing that Seth and I did, excuse me. When we were first married, I was a little bit tired of that up and down roller coaster of, oh, I'm doing really well spiritually. Oh, I'm not doing really well spiritually. Oh, I'm doing really well spiritually. And I kind of felt like, let's just ask God for hunger for him. Like, why don't we just see? It comes from him anyway. <laughs> I can't stir it up somehow. i got to have God do it. So every night for years when we were married, we would just pray that God would give us hunger for him. And he really answered that. Like, just through the years, I can just tell. And I just think, you know, God will pour out. He wants to fill us so he can fill us with humility. He can fill us with, you know, that poor, being poor in spirit and understanding what that means and just being thankful for the simplest things. And um, being, like, childlike, all those things. Like, God will give us that if we ask. He's so good. He'll do it. And, um, you know, we don't have to, you know, really strive in it because he's a good God. So David was a great example of all those things. He was amazing. Um, At one point in Psalm 40. So, okay, let's just frame this up. He's the king, right? He has everything. He is loaded and he happens to win every war that he, you know, goes in and, you know, takes every country. I mean, he's just a successful guy. And yet in Psalm 40, he says to God, I am poor and needy. You know, somehow David, and you can see this over and over, he just had that thankful heart throughout. You know, he had that humility throughout. And he was living in abundance. He was like in the palace, you know, every meal glorious he had a serious banqueting table you know and yet he was able to stay in that place of his constant need of god constant need of god you can just see it throughout his life he's an excellent excellent example of that so that's our goal our goal is to have raw dependence on god in a place of abundance and and i just god was just checking me on this recently because even at Dwell, like, we've just created a lot of structure. We have a worship team. You know, there's the leadership team who are doing things. And <clears throat> when we were first starting there, I just remember every Sunday it was like, okay, God, what are we doing? One guy on a guitar. I hope people show up. You know, we're trying to do worship. We don't even know what we're doing. You know, it was like a big deal. We were 
very dependent on him because we didn't have, you know, any experience. It was all new. People were showing up in the neighborhood who were just different, you know, and it, it just felt like God really met us in that place. But as time has gone on and the structure's been there and all that stuff and we've been resting and taking time off and then we come in and I just felt like God was saying, remember, you used to have that raw dependence on me. We can lean on structures and things that are set up in place for us and not really depend. When we have a question, you know, if we're kind of in this crossroads, you know, we kind of think about what did we do in the past, but maybe God has something new for you in that situation that's raw dependence. Ask him. He'll tell you, you know, and he'll give you a new strategy or a new idea, a new thought. You know, he's fresh. He gives you fresh manna every day. Um, so <clears throat> let's look at, so those are the people who were invited. They weren't hungry, and I just t- kind of talked about that. But now let's look at the people who weren't invited originally, but then he was like, okay, people aren't coming. Just go out there. <laughs> Start asking people. Get those people out here. And um, <clears throat> so what he says is, find the poor. This is in the New King James. I, I read out of the message, but this is the New King James. Find the poor. Find the maimed. Find the lame. Find, find, find the blind. <laughs> I can't get those words out. <laughs> um, but the maimed and the lame and the blind would have been people in that culture and in that time that you know were very looked down upon. If there was something wrong with you, they felt like you were cursed of the Lord, and so they were the outcast of society. Therefore, they had to beg for everything. They would have been poor, you know, and they would have not had acceptance in society at all. They would have been at a very low level. And so he's like, "All right, my neighbors and friends aren't going to come. Let's get the people who are actually hungry. You know, the people who need food. They'll eat. You know." So he, and then the thing is, he asked three times. So he invited the first guests. He sent them out to get the, you know, maimed and the lame and the blind, the poor. And then he did a third. They said there's still room. And he said, do it again. Ask more people. And it was three times. And three is the number of resurrection. I just wonder, you know, Jesus didn't, you know, give us that story. But was the table full? <laughs> you know, I kind of feel like not. But um, so, so those people, <clears throat> you know. They would have been people he didn't know, that didn't know him, actually. They didn't know him, because God knows us all. But, but in the world, you know, people don't know him. So I'm going to tell two quick stories. Um, recently, I was walking, I was driving down Cork Street, and just God sometimes just assaults me with, talk to that person, you know, or whatever, pray for that person. It, is, it feels like an assault, because I'm like, do-do-do, going about my day, talk to that person, <gasps> you know. And um, so I'm driving, and I see this lady, and I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And I kind of drive around her into this parking lot, park my car, and get out. Like, <laughs> she's coming, you know. And right away, just to give you a frame of reference, she is a woman who looks like she's coming off of some something, substance that she's on. It looks like she's in a hurry, and it looked like she wasn't quite all there somehow. And I was thinking, this is going to be interesting and um, so she's walking, like, in a real hurry. She looked kind of like she couldn't walk very well, but she was walking quickly, and I was a little bit nervous she was going to fall. But anyway, so I kind of walk up to her, like, hi, how are you? And she was just like, <laughs> and I said, how are you doing today? And she said, who is you? And I was like, oh, um, and I, I felt like I couldn't say my name. I couldn't do anything small talk just to get it started because she was just in a different realm and <laughs> on her way to somewhere. I don't know. And so I was like, I just wondered if I could pray for you. And she was like, 
no, no, no. You got three dollars? And I was like, ah, uh, no, I don't have any money. I don't have, and I didn't, I don't have any money on me right now. And she's like, oh, and I was like, so could I pray for you though? Can I give you that? She was like, oh, no, I don't need that. And she kind of kept walking on her way, you know, and I was like, okay, <clears throat> I just obeyed, you know, I don't have anything to do with the result, but I just obeyed. So I got back in my car and I just watched her walk and I just had this moment of sadness because I could tell you know, she just had a broken life. She wasn't in a good place and she was searching for something and you know, in that moment, she just didn't, you know, pick up and kind of wasn't able to connect. I know that God would have done something good, but, you know, she just wasn't hungry in the moment, you know. And I prayed that God would heal her life, you know, and restore her as she went. What else can you do? Um, and then the next, like, a couple of days later, I was in Sturgis on my way to a baby shower. And I was at this stoplight, and I could see these this couple and a little girl. And um, they were sitting in a bench, and right away I just felt the feeling. And I was like, oh, I'm late for the shower. Uh, and I could see the guy, like, get out his wallet and pull out, like, a dollar or something for this little girl. And she went into the coffee shop that was right there. And I was like, you know what, God, I am late for the shower. Drove, 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 drove. I'm late for the shower. I know you want me to talk to her, but I'm late for the shower. What am I going to tell them, you know? And... And then I was like, I almost got all the way there. And I was just like, <laughs> it's a small town, so it wasn't a big deal. But I just kind of pulled around and <clears throat> parked, kind of walked over to them. And I said, hi there. <laughs> uh, how are you guys today? And they were like, good, good. And I said, uh, I know this sounds a bit different, but I, I saw you guys, and I felt like God told me to come here and talk to you. And they said, oh, God, huh? I was like, yeah. And then I said, um, actually, I felt like, is there anything I can pray for you for? And they said, the guy was like, I always ask God to help me win the lottery. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> he was like, I said, God, give me the numbers. And he said, I already gave you the numbers. But the thing is, is he won't tell me what order they're in. <laughs> And he said, you know why I won't tell you the order, or something like that. And I was just like, wow, this is really interesting. And the lady was like, you can pray for our friend's kids who are sick. Like, she was kind of like, whatever, you know. And I was like, well, that's interesting that you bring up the lottery, because as I was walking here, I felt like God said that he wanted to pour out blessing over you guys. And they both were like, really? I said, yeah. And they, it was a moment they were hungry. I could see it. It was happening and I said, yeah, and I don't know how or why he wants to do that, but I just felt like he wants to pour out hunger, or <laughs> he wants to, you know, pour out blessing for you guys. And um, I don't know where you guys are at, you know, but is it okay if I pray for you right now? And they were like, yeah. And the man had st stood up and he was like, I need to shake a lady's hand first or whatever. He was a really interesting guy. And, um, and uh, so I was like, okay, well, let's just pray. And they bowed their heads and got right into it. And as I was praying, I could tell... I felt like God was saying that they had generous hearts, like good, generous hearts. And, and, and I forgot about it, but later I was like, oh, they were giving that little girl who they said was a friend, it wasn't their kid, a dollar to go get something, you know, and they probably don't have a lot. But anyway, they have good and generous hearts, and that there was something blocking, you know, provision from coming. And I just said, 
I, in the name of Jesus, I just, you know, command any blocking that's blocking blessing to go, you know, and I just, God is, he loves you guys and he wants to bless you, you know, and whatever. Anyway, I opened my eyes and they're like crying and uh, they were so blessed. And, you know, the lady who for a minute ago was like, pray for somebody else's kids was just like really, you know, able to receive. It was really good. What time is it? How much time do I have? It's 10.35 right now? Ah, I have a whole other section. (laughs) My word. Oh, man. Okay, well, that's okay. So, so, anyway, what I was going to say is that, um, like, we're the ones who are sitting at the table, and there are other people who are not at the table yet. But we're the ones who can take the food from the table and give it to the people who are not there yet. And as they get fed, they're going to want to come, you know. And so we need to do that and um, show them all about it. Okay, well, what I was going to do <laughs> is I was going to um, read Psalm 107. It's so fascinating. If you get a minute, do it, because it's just so good. There's like four scenarios, basically, where God shows different types of scenarios where people then cry out to the Lord, like they get in trouble, and then they cry out to the Lord. And we just find over and over again that people cry out to the Lord when they're in a needy place. But when they're not, they don't come to the table like the people in that story. So this is the thing about God. He's so restorative. He is so restorative. When we go away from him and kind of lose track of those things I mentioned, the porn spirit, the humility, all that stuff, when we lose track of that, we fall into stuff, we, we lose our way, and we then we cry out to the Lord, and then he shows up. You know, but, but how amazing is it if we just stay hungry, you know? How amazing is it if we just don't get there where we're so desperate? But <clears throat> the main message in Psalm 107 is just that the Lord keeps restoring. He keeps coming and showing up and, and making a way for his people, whatever situation they're in. And, um, and at the end of it, it says, whoever is wise will observe these things. You know, so good because they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. And I think that's one of the most important things. When we are feeding at the banqueting table, we understand the goodness and the loving kindness of, the God, of God and how much he wants us to just be close. And that's, that's the message. That's the real message today. Um, so <clears throat> what God told me for you guys today is that um, he said, if you receive a gift of hunger, that I will fill it like a, a mother wants to feed their hungry child and that I want to use you to reach the city. New day. He wants to use you, New Day, to reach the city of Kalamazoo. And um, that's another thing in Psalm 107. He talks about establishing the hungry. He gives the hungry a city that they will establish it. And I feel like as we're hungry for the Lord, he'll fill us and we will establish the kingdom of heaven in Kalamazoo. We will have influence over the city. So so that's what the Lord said, and I believe it. Childlikeness, <laughs> I believe it. If you receive the gift of hunger, I will fill you and feed you like a mother feeds their hungry child, and I want to use you to reach the city. So I was thinking, let's just stand up right now. Not that we're going to be dismissed right now, but let's just stand up. And I'm just going to pray because I just I really felt like the Lord wanted to just fill us with hunger today and deposit. It was a gift, a gift from God. So just get your heart in a place of receive mode. 
And uh, Lord, I just thank you that you want to fill the hungry. And Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and just deposit in us a gift of hunger for you that's um, never changing, that, Lord, we will stay childlike, that we'll stay humble, that we will be poor in spirit, that we will stay in a conscious need of you and not get become a food critic of some kind or get too familiar. Lord, we want to know you, but we want to be refreshed by you every day. Just fill us with that hunger right now. We receive that gift of hunger right now. And Lord, we turn our attention to your goodness and your loving kindness. You are so good, God. You are so good. You're inexpressibly good. Thank you, God. Amen. Well, be blessed, you guys. Enjoy your week. You can have a seat, and Aaron Mueller is going to come up and share some announcements for us.